What was working with J-Lo like? Absolutely incredible. Like the most inspiring person to, yeah, to be at your peak at 50 years old. What excuse do the rest of us have about anything? (laughs) Hi, it's me, Alexi Toliopoulos. And it's me, Jen Fricker. And welcome to our podcast. It's a very special episode today called Literally Lived It, where we sit down with Netflix stars and storytellers to hear the actual, real, true life experiences behind the shows and movies that everybody is banging on about. And today is a very special one indeed because it's a very exciting movie, I'd say. Yeah, it's got the internet all fired up. It is the J-Lo documentary, Halftime, kind of tracking the last 20 years of Jennifer Lopez's career, Mm -hmm. culminating in her Super Bowl performance with Shakira and basically the entire lead up to Mm. it. And we're going to be speaking to someone later on who was there, was part of the process, was part of the film. It's very, very exciting. I'm freaking out, dude. This is so exciting for me today. I've got something that's going to tip you over the goddamn edge. Oh, my gosh. Are you ready? Okay. I'm calm. I'm collected. I'm zoned in. What are you throwing at me right now? What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie, number one, Looking for Alabrandi. Uh-huh. It is available to watch on Netflix right now, by the way. My favorite movie of all time. I watched it again last night on Netflix. Okay, what's your second favorite movie? Probably, good Lord, my second favorite movie, Wayne's World. Okay, I really swung in a mist on this. Okay, <laughs> what's your what's your favorite movie about Italian-Americans? Wow. That Francis Ford Coppola directed. Okay, then it changed my answer slightly. But The Godfather <laughs> is very, very important to me, Fricka. Very, very important to me, if that's what you're suggesting. Yeah, and guess what? What? Finally watched it. Oh, my God. I'd never seen it. Whoa, you watched The Godfather. I watched it. Wow. I understand you now more. Wow. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can tell... A lot about a person from their favorite movie and, mm-hmm. a, well, one of their favorite movies oh, that you kind of there, edged you know. them into. I'm a cinephile, okay? I've got huge taste in films. It's all around there. But I feel like I understand you more. Because really? it's a movie about family. It is a movie about family. And it's a movie about beauty. It is it's, a movie about beauty. It's a movie about America. Yeah. It's about manhood. It is about manhood. I think The Godfather is very tied to my idea of masculinity. Yeah. What were some of your favorite moments watching The Godfather? Okay. All of the food? Yeah, I love Clemenza making that big old sauce. I love Enzo the baker. Enzo the baker. Where he's like I'm Enzo the baker. He's like, remember me? I'm Enzo the baker. And I would say that is objectively good and it's measured by uh, awards. And the only thing that matters in this life is awards and Mm -hmm. the opinions of others. Gatekeep. Yes. That's what I'm saying. And I actually feel very fiery about this at the moment because the movie that we're talking about today, Halftime, has one of the most exciting ever award campaigns featured inside it. Jennifer Lopez going for the Oscar for Hustlers. One of my favorite movies in the last few years, one of my very favorite performances in the last few years, and it reignited a lot of passion in me Mm. and a lot of the fire within me that Mm. she did not even get a nomination, one of the greatest snubs in history. I barely slept last night. I feel electric by this. I cried three Mm. times during this documentary because they really put it in context. Like She works very hard. She's been working for a very long time. It's weird that people were like, oh, 
oh, it's okay that she doesn't have an Oscar for this objectively mm-hmm. great. And you see the training she did to go yes. into Hustlers. You see in the documentary she works with an artist from Cirque du Soleil to mm. learn the pole. It's so interesting because this documentary, what I like about it so much is that it captures the essence of an artist who's very popular, very big, and is kind of interesting to get a look inside them, but also through this lens, this prism of it being a short amount of time where Mm. it is the Oscar campaign for Hustlers in 2019 building up to the 2020 Super Bowl halftime show. So it's a big peak in their career and it's a little peak behind the curtain. Mm. And I find that quite interesting to have like this short sustained amount of time to get an idea of who someone is and their process. I think we should get into the trailer, have a listen, and then we'll come back with a little bit more. I lived in the public eye. And I really believe a lot of what they said. Diva. Serial bride. How do you feel about your butt? You did not just ask me that. Do you think you'll be nominated for an Oscar? I mean, I hope so. Kessler's first review is Jennifer Lopez is Oscar worthy. It was hard. I just had a very low self-esteem. I had to really figure out who I was. I'm trying to give you something with substance. Not just us out there shaking our fucking asses. I want something real. I do this not for an award. No, I do this to connect with people and make them feel things because I want to feel something. I've been battling to be heard, to be seen, to be taken seriously. Should we do it one more time? Yeah! Yeah, it's an incredible documentary that follows J-Lo and I guess all of the performers Mm. under her wing gearing up for the Super Bowl. And you don't realise, but it's a massive team. These dancers are practising for like eight to ten hours a day. So much hard work goes into this Mm. to make it feel smooth, to make it feel effortless. Cohesive. Cohesive and to still be this huge spectacle. Mm. I think... It's weird because obviously I know how much hard work goes into this. I'm like, that's so much hard work. Then you watch it go, oh, it's even more than I anticipated yeah. at all. So as a little treat, we are speaking to someone who was there. Mm, they were in, part of this hard work. In the mix there, while the documentary captured them practicing for hours and hours and weeks on end, responding to JLo's vision of what this Super Bowl was going to look like. So today we're speaking to one of the dancers who's actually on the Super Bowl stage with J-Lo herself. She's actually been working with Paris Goebel, who's an icon in her own right, for years. She's also danced for Rihanna, Sierra, and Justin Bieber. Mm -hmm. She's part of a kind of iconic hip-hop dance group called the Royal Family out of New Zealand. They were in Justin Bieber's Sorry. Yeah video clip. I'm a very big fan. You're floating right now. I'm a very big (laughs) fan of this person. Ling Zhang, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me here. (laughs) I think where we want to kick things off is I want to know how long you've been dancing for. Is it your whole life? Oh, yeah. Hip hop, not my whole life. So my mom had a dance studio back in China where I grew up. Apparently, when I was like three years old, I would just go to her to classes and just be like jamming and trying to learn all the steps so you can kind of um, say that it started there. A very intuitive thing, it seems like she just brought me to class because she had to um, and she didn't think that I would 
literally get up and try and mimic everyone. And um, yeah, it was cute little Ling. That's so cute. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you obviously take that love, you turn it into a career. How do you get from being a little girl dancing in your mother's studio in China to on stage with JLo at the Super Bowl? A lot of hard work and to be honest, it wasn't something that was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. It was never like a seed that was planted when I was little. And of course, being brought up by quite realistic parents, you know, they wanted me to get good grades in school and follow a very stable path with uni and um, all that jazz. And so dancing was always kind of just a hobby and something that in, in my heart, I was like, oh yeah, this is a hobby that I'll try and enjoy for as long as I can before I, you know, need to do some real life adult <laughs> stuff. <laughs> okay. So my history with, with dance is I did ballet for like a good 10 years or so. Um, some jazz contemporary did competition troops and stuff for fun. Um, and then hip hop, it was just one day, it was like a very intuitive, like, Oh my gosh, I really want to go try hip hop. And mom and dad were like, that's so random. Like it's so far from what you're naturally doing every day. You know, it's the complete opposite of ballet. Um, but they're like, yeah, sure. Like go. And then I didn't know anything about Royal Family, about Paris, about anything. So then I show up looking absolutely tragic. <laughs> were you in your full belly bun and everything? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what do hip-hop dances Anyways, I, I think I ended up just wearing like a t-shirt and some like Capri pants or something, just something just tragic. And then I show up. Wow, Capri pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I show up and that class, I kid you not, people call it like a turning point or whatever, um, dramatic sounding thing, but I freaking loved it so much. Wow. Yeah. And it's completely different to what I've done before. Pretty sure I sucked, but it was just like a very much like, oh my God, like I really, really love this and I really want to do this. And like, I, I may suck, but I really, really, really love this. And it was something that I hadn't really felt with um, ballet and jazz and contemporary before. I was just like, oh my God, the music. Yeah. I was like, hip hop, R&B. <laughs> you know, I don't have to dance to classical music anymore. And this idea of like, oh, I actually get to move my body to music that I really genuinely enjoy. Mm. Your training being in such a different mold of dancing, like a different style. When you get to this moment, does that training help you and then its intuition kicks in like the feeling to the music is that what it felt like actually I, I guess with doing a different type of dance even though it's so different you still get to know your body mm. right so oh I can probably pick up choreography faster than someone who has never danced before yeah of, of course but in terms of what I found um, difficult was the grooves and breaking down of the body because mm. with ballet you are trained to always be straight as a rod as stiff as a plank <laughs> um, and, and so it's very ingrained in your body and to start doing hip-hop and have it be the complete opposite right was something that um, I had to really kind of work at to let go of and with hip-hop even with the freestyling and um, being able to be free and change up choreography was like oh no no in ballet we had to do it exactly like the teacher mm. perfect without any changes and then just to be like, oh, well, now you can be free. It's like, oh, wait, how do I be free? <laughs> yeah. And I guess like Paris as well has a very specific style within yes. hip hop. 
as well. Can you talk a little about that relationship like between her as a choreographer and you as a dancer and, and how that's kind of evolved over the years? She um, was literally the person that shaped me into the person that could stand on stage with JLo, right? Wow. Yeah. So from auditioning into the Royal Family, I never actually got in the first try. Mm -hmm. So when I auditioned in 2015, I got into what they call a trial team. So there was like a group of seven of us and we had a month of training with the Royal Family and they would make that decision of whether you ended up being a part of the crew or not. Because there was just so many dancers, so many incredible dancers. And then Real funny story, not not funny, but real <laughs> again, like pivotal moment. Yeah. I actually had to defer my place at the University of Melbourne to study biomedicine, right? Wow. wow. The crossroads, the, the sliding fork. doors moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, what they say is so true is when you don't have a plan B is when you actually make things happen. So because I had deferred my plays, if I didn't get into the royal family, then I would have a whole year of essentially time wasted or no mm. plan. Right. And that to me was not an option. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, during the trial, I remember my first 6 a.m. royal family fitness. Oh, my gosh. That was Traumatic. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially to test your mental strength, right? Like we were put through um, like things like carrying 20 liter water, water gallons. Oh like, my God. Yeah. And like doing things like stretches where we had to carry each other Whoa. and stretches Whoa. and do laps and oh my gosh, and hold this long ass heavy rope up above our heads and just be sprinting across the field. Just crazy stuff. And um, I had never done like proper fitness before then it was just dance for me so that was like boom boom and I remember just seeing people like vomiting on the floor and people were just crying wow <laughs> yeah and so that and I pushed myself so hard that was the very first time where my body gave up before my mind did so usually it's the other way around where you're like, oh, it's so hard. It's so uncomfortable. It's so sore. I'm going to stop doing this. Whereas I was like, no, I got to keep going. But my body literally could not. And I was like trying, but my legs were like lead and I could not pick oh them up. Oh my Lord. That was like a next level experience, That's right? insane that's wow. nuts. You're basically elite athletes. Your bodies mm -hmm. are like literally your instruments. Your instruments, yeah. And then yeah. does that place you in the best possible position to then begin working with like a huge star like J-Lo? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So for J-Lo, the maximum time of work per day is eight hours, right? Wow. So you dance for eight hours a day. <gasps> Whereas for family, <laughs> what we've been through is training for big competitions like Worlds mm -hmm. and HHI um, is you know, we go through 16 hour trainings, yeah, getting absolutely no sleep and having to get on stage and give your absolute best, push your body when your body is essentially injured, broken or sick and give your best. So it's like our bodies are strong and it can take a lot of stress, a lot of last minute changes, <laughs> which Paris loves to do. A lot of last minute changes before you go on stage. It's like, okay, this has changed. Okay, cool. I am now to be able to switch my brain on to, to get that on stage. What was that process like getting ready for the Super Bowl? Can you take us through like the day to day of like that rehearsal period with JLo? Yes, of course. It started in New York um, in November, I believe. So that was when we started the skeleton crew training. So essentially 
I think JLo was um, running about doing a whole bunch of other things at the same time. Um, so she would just come and have a look at what Paris had put together with the skeleton crew. So a skeleton crew is like um, just a small group of dancers that she could create work on. And then we would show JLo and she would have an idea, like a rough idea of what the choreography and the picture and the visual was going to look like. And not going to lie, that was probably the most taxing on the body for some weird reason. Um, then or the Miami training. So I don't know. Is it the New York being cold? I don't know. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Yeah. That. Yeah. But um, not just me, but like my other dance friends, we were just like, whoa, this feels worse than competing at Worlds. For some reason, the body was just in pain, like everywhere. Wow. And like getting up, like turning around in bed was painful. Getting up out of bed was painful. And then to go from that and we have to give a hundred percent always mm. when Jello is in the room. Of course. Yeah. What was it like watching the documentary? Basically a documentary about, you know, a big, uh, almost summer holiday for, for you. Yeah. <laughs> Literally the peak yeah. of just life. Um, it was yeah, quite sentimental because it just made me miss everyone um, on that job. And it made me miss the times of literally working towards a dance, like the highlight of your dance career. Because yes. I think with the Super Bowl stage, yeah, it doesn't get any bigger than that mm. with like what, 30,000 people. Um, not that that ever re registered. because yeah, <laughs> A when, number when that big, market, you can't even think about <laughs> yeah. it, right? You can't even, no, you just blow it out. <laughs> so watching back, it was like, oh, I get to almost relive it mm. whenever I want to on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great time. What was working with J-Lo like? Because it seems like she is the ultimate professional. Mm. Absolutely incredible. Like the most inspiring person to, yeah, to be at your peak at 50 years old. To literally, I mean, she's had an amazing career, but to see her continuously evolve and better her craft and all her crafts, like she's good at everything, but um, yeah, to, to see her continuously improve in all areas and literally be at her best at 50, it was like far out. Like what excuse do the rest of us have? about? <laughs> so we never really got to know her on a personal level because each rehearsal was very um, professional. We were on crunch time um, and it was always about dance, working hard and what we what we could do to make everything better. You know, obviously we're watching the documentary, we're watching the performance, and so we only know it as a viewer. Mm. But do you remember what you were feeling as you were walking out on the stage at the Super Bowl? Oh, wow. Yes, I do. Like, this is it. And you are incredibly present in the moment. All I was thinking about was essentially the dance going over in my head, what I needed to do for every single move so that it was as perfect as I could get it. I don't remember anything about the audience. Um, I think there were just like little specks of light everywhere. And I was like, I'm assuming that's people, but you're not really <laughs> thinking about it. There's so much adrenaline and I think it's probably the same feeling as the players do right before they go play their mm. game, right? It's that like, okay, like this is it. You feel super alive. The adrenaline's like pumping through your body, but also there's this weird sense of calm at the same time. And, oh my gosh, I have to tell you the fast changes that we <laughs> that yeah. we had, yeah, that, was, that was also stressful. Mm -hmm. That sounds like there's so much pressure on you. Yes, 
So when we're dancing in the first scene, um, first scene, I'll say, uh, the first <laughs> dance, we have hats. And so there was the stress of, okay, you have to give 100%, but not move your head too much. So, so your hat flies yeah. off. Right. Wow. So after that first dance, we were sprinting and stripping at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Just casually taking off your clothes in front of 30,000 people. Yes, literally. And like running. So we, we couldn't take off our costumes near the stage because trip ups, all, all that stuff, health and safety. So we had to take off our clothes like a while away from the stage. Mm. So we were sprinting there as we stripped to place all our clothes there and then sprinting back. That was all the time we had. Unreal. Yeah. So from start to end, there was no time to really think about anything. You're just in the moment, you're present. Okay. What is my focus now? I have to get to the other side of the stage in like 10 seconds. Okay. What's my focus now? I am now in capture as this personality. Okay. What is my focus now? I am taking my clothes off. So from start to end, it literally finished in like snap of a finger essentially wow this is so interesting because it's so stressful the pressure is so on does anyone mess up and what happens if you do yeah yeah the show must go on no matter what happens you break a leg no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) but you yeah you i don't know you fall over you lose your costume you lose your hat you bump into whoever you get knocked over whatever happens carry on yeah brush it off, let it not show on your face. Mm -hmm. And Paris was always very good at training us in that as no matter what happens, we can deal with it like it's nothing. This is amazing because it, like I was watching the documentary and I just remember feeling like I can barely just walk around normally. Like I'm always the person on the street that just trips over nothing. Mm -hmm. You know those people? I still also trip over (laughs) nothing. (laughs) so the amount of focus and intensity and intent that you guys are bringing to this like it's really amazing to hear just yeah like I said as Mm. a viewer because you don't know like you just kind of see this perfect piece this perfect product at the end of it and it's this perfect seven minutes and you just go how much work goes into those seven minutes how much intensity how much power yeah if there was like one thing that you really wanted audiences to know about like this time in your life this performance what would it be this is so cliche but you can do literally anything yeah I never my wildest dreams ever would think that I would be on stage with JLo at Super Bowl like that just like what no that was never going to happen and so it just goes to show that if you keep working hard in whatever avenue you're working hard in and just always put your best self forward and continuously grow, then you just never know what opportunities are literally going to come knocking on your door. And when they do knock on your door, like literally take it and do not doubt yourself because they don't come knocking for no reason either. It's taking that and it's believing in yourself and honoring all the hard work you've put in all those years, you know, even all the years I did ballet and, um, even though it was not related at all, it's like all your life experience that you've gathered over your entire life, right? All of that is preparing you for the moment that you're about to experience. Wow. And so You've inspired I, me. I'm yeah. going to try and do it myself as well. I want to get there with J-Lo on the stage. <laughs> We're going to get her back on the Super Bowl just for us. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you. So, I mean, what you're saying about worthiness, like that speaks to me yeah, like so much. So thank you so much for like saying that. 
Oh, my gosh. This was so fun talking with you. This was such a great chat. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to literally talk about this experience and share it and hopefully, yeah, inspire anyone else that has big dreams to literally freaking go for it, man. Yes, dude. Yeah. That's it. That was so cool to, like, hear that. It's mm. a really personal documentary. It's a lot of access that I don't think people have gotten before to Jennifer Lopez. No I haven't way, really dude. like seen anything about mm-hmm. her in this way. It is truly a fascinating look into an artist's process, but at a, a level that you don't really get that much access to. You usually just get the output and the output's everywhere, mm. which would be big movie, big stadium show that millions, if not one billion people Whoa. see. Yeah, I actually don't know how many people watch the Super Bowl. Did I do know it? it's a lot. No, no. <laughs> I've seen not even one full episode of sport in my life. I didn't really start with the Super Bowl. Full episode? But I have seen the full performance. I've seen many a halftime show because I love it. I'm of the era of the age where Jennifer Lopez was humongous for my life. I've always loved her as an actor mm. and her ascent with Hustlers was almost a spiritual experience for me. The thing that I really, really loved, and mm. it's something I did not appreciate until getting this inside look, is openly she's not been a very political activist or performer beyond her push for representation. Yeah. And then to see her become so politically active, to have this political message about the times, about representation for her people. I think to take such a political stance at the biggest moment of your career and to really fight for that message to become through, I found that so fascinating to see someone go from great pop star to then going, no, there's something really important for me. I have to push for it. It's a huge risk for her and I would say most mainstream performers to do that, mm. to take one of the most uh, visible moments of her career and make it political. And it definitely wasn't something that I appreciated at the mm. time. I didn't even really know that there was a political subtext to the performance. Yeah. But it was so interesting to see her take up the leadership role as well and she's guiding these people through, she's guiding all these dancers and creatives through this process that ultimately, like, will live or die on her name. I want to get one of those big old hats that she used to wear. Remember that, like, big green hat yes. that she wore in, um, oh, I can't remember which music video it was, but I loved that. I mean, you can't see because you're listening to the podcast, but we're both wearing the green Versace dress she wore the... Academy Awards. And I love that that was part of it too, that Mm. we got the Versace dress, the iconic Versace dress that, in fact, launched Google Images. Yeah, I didn't know know that. that. Google Images exists because of the green dress and people looking up J-Lo green Versace dress. Yeah. And so they had to invent a whole new aspect of Google for this. This was huge for me, this documentary. Something that really jumped out at me that Ling was talking about was... The worthiness thing? Yeah, big time. I always find it so interesting that people that I perceive are being like absolutely at the top of the game professionally. Like, Mm. again, she's literally dancing for Re, Rihanna, (laughs) uh, Jennifer Lopez at the Super Bowl. Like, you, and she's. And she's still there questioning her worthiness and yeah. having to work through that. And all the hard work it takes to get to that moment yeah. as well. Because I think there's this interpretation of people on the outside where it's just that idea of, oh, overnight success. Yes. Or that was a big break. So you see those big break moments. Mm. But you don't see how much goes in to get to that 
point you don't to see put the you in ropes the room. over the head no and the exactly and vomiting. for 12 <laughs> that's, hours that's a day insane. seeing it come together as this perfectly choreographed interesting fascinating cool exhilarating seven minute performance is fascinating right yeah well that is a wrap on today's episode if you want to check it out halftime is available now to watch on netflix and obviously we highly recommend it yeah absolutely it's also a wrap for this season big thank you to ling zhang for coming on the show if you miss us after this mm-hmm. make sure you go back listen to the last 19 episodes they're all good there's plenty there to get into do you have a story you'd like to share if so send us a dm on insta at netflix a and z Please leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. It makes a huge difference to us. And recently we've been getting some really nice messages on social media and some posts about the show. That is so nice. So thank you for doing that and keep doing it. And this podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. Thank you so much to our incredible team, executive producer Priya Tarzade and producer Abby Lenton. And thank you to all you wonderful listeners for enjoying this show. We love you very much and have a beautiful day. Bye-bye.